on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. From Learfield IMG College, this is the Roll Tidecast, the official podcast of Alabama Athletics. Here's Roger Hoover. We're back for another Roll Tidecast. I'm Roger Hoover, and we're happy to have you along for another episode. This time around, we're talking football and all things Alabama with former Crimson Tide quarterback Greg McElroy. We're also checking in with soccer players Taylor Morgan and Chloe Mays. And we head over to the pool and talk with first-year head swimming and diving coach Coley Stickles. We get things started with Josh Maxson sitting down with Greg McElroy, who was in town recently not only to call a game as part of his duties with ESPN and the SEC Network, but also to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the 2009 National Championship team with his former teammates. Once again, uh, we're, we're looking back to the to the late 2000s and uh, bringing back a, a legend. We had Bear, Bear Jones a few weeks ago, an old friend of yours. Uh, and now we welcome in Greg McElroy. Greg, uh, you're back on the 10-year reunion weekend. What's it feel like? A little surreal? It's, it's. I just can't believe it's been 10 years. I mean, you were here, and, I mean, you know, I just look at all these guys now, and some, some of which are still playing. I'm not surprised that any of them are still playing, frankly. But other than that, it's just the fact that, golly, so much has happened. We all now are coming back. We got kids. We're all married. It's just like it's amazing how quickly things go. But this has always been a a home for us, for us to kind of get back. But we've never really all been here at the same time. So it's going to be really neat to see everybody. I mean, guys you haven't seen in years and maybe have lost touch with. But it'll be a good opportunity for all of us to get together and and share some old stories. It really doesn't. Ten years, it doesn't seem possible, does it? It I just can't believe it's been ten years. Like, I mean – Ten-year reunions, I mean, I remember, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm old enough to have that, but I guess I guess we are. Uh, and I, I definitely feel old enough, but I guess to a certain extent, it's just, it's amazing how fast it goes. And to think, too, what's, what I've probably been most blown away by is the fact that it's been ten years, and the level has not fluctuated whatsoever in regards to the quality. Like, I look at all these programs. The expectation programs, level. The expectation level. Yeah the consistency, to think that it's gone on this long and that we're celebrating a 10-year anniversary and yet we're coming back to Tuscaloosa with Alabama at number one in the AP poll. It's like nothing's changed. It's, it's amazing. So maybe that's part of the reason why it doesn't feel like it's been 10 years because every year kind of feels similar because the expectation level as an Alabama fan and as a former player remains the same. But uh, I would imagine for some schools um, – 10 years probably feels like an eternity, <laughs> whereas for our school, um, 10 years feels like a blip on the radar. Well, and we get to we get to figure out this 10-year Coach Saban National Championship team reunions because we got another one in yeah, two years. Yeah, a bunch coming up. You know, Coach has this persona publicly of he's he's up going you know hot on the sidelines and he, he gets on the media in the media room but now that you're back as, a, as an analyst and we'll get into more of how you got there here in a minute but can you talk about that relationship with coach and who he really is and how much it really is about these kids and helping them be not only great on the football field but but off the field as well yeah I mean coach coach and I have a different relationship because he didn't recruit me you know he kind of inherited me so our relationship has always been strictly professional, like always. Like It's always been, Greg, this is what I need you to do. Yes, sir, whatever you need. Um, and it's still like that to a certain extent. Now, it's funny to see how he's changed as a personality. And the interaction as a, as a broadcaster and not Completely, a yeah. And it's funny, though, because I think my interaction with him now is more friendly than it was as a player. He was a... You know, he was an authoritative figure as as a college player, but that was what I needed. And what I've started to realize as he's developed deeper relationships with the guys he's recruited 
and I, I didn't really realize it at the time, and I guess maybe I was just too immature to recognize it. Um, I feel like he does kind of adapt the relationship to the player. Some guys need hard coaching. He coaches them hard. Some guys need to be loved up. He loves them up. It's amazing. And he really does adapt. And it's he's a borderline you know, psychologist in regards to how he kind of He really feels. does study these guys. He and does. There's tests. And how, how, oh, how am I best tests. going to interact oh, with these there's guys? There's always tests. There's <laughs> always – like, for instance, you look at – you look at, at the roster this year for on defense. Let's use that as an example. Some young guys. Uh, if they were veteran guys and they made mistakes, he'd probably be on them a lot harder. But they're young guys, so he's probably going to love them up. And I think about years over the past in post-game press conferences, right? That's always, you know, <laughs> a hilarious deal for me now living in that media world. 2014 stands out as a year to me. The offense was struggling for whatever reason against Arkansas. It was a nasty weather game. Mm-hmm. Arkansas at the time in 2014, not a great program. And they won the game close by, I think, a missed extra point. Yeah, yeah, a one point. And coach comes in and is like, these guys are – they won. What else do you want? <laughs> like basically going off and telling them yeah. – you know, these guys are doing everything we're asking them to do, like loving them up, loving up the team, because that was what the team needed at that point. And there's other games, like against lower-level competition, where when we don't say that around here, <laughs> you know, because there's no such thing as lower-level competition, but as a media member, I'll call it that. And you would think that we hadn't scored a point in weeks, and the defense was terrible because they're blank through a tin horn. You know, it's like it's or, or then you've got like Georgia 08, where we played well in the first half. Mm-hmm packed it into the second half yeah. and peeled the paint <laughs> off the locker. Right. I mean, <laughs> and you just if you come over. It's just it's all about what the individual player needs, and it's all about what the team needs at that time, and it's all about creating a bigger message. Um, but I think I think coach is a guy who's naturally going to adapt, not just from a football standpoint, because clearly he's adapted from a ground and pound, three yards in the cloud of dust. You know, conservative style offense, pro style offense, West Coast principles to now RPO and tempo, air it all over the field, prioritize the passing game, empower the quarterback. He's completely transitioned in that regard. I really think it's but, always about the talent he has, and he's he always wants to put the talent in the best position to be successful. I think it is that to a certain extent, but he's adapted sure Agreed. philosophically to what today's team needs to be successful. He's also done the same thing in regards to the relationships. Frankly, 10 years ago, it was a different kid that you were coaching. Mm-hmm. They didn't grow up in the era of social media. I remember y'all called me in because I had a Twitter account. We're going there. Can I, can, I, <laughs> can you just let me get to this story? Because yes. I'm, I'm coming next. Yes. Y'all called me in with a Twitter account. I was like one of only a few guys on the team that had one, and that was like the biggest thing in the world. when because we you live-tweeted the NFL draft, and you started like well, I talking the guys. about people. <laughs> I knew I know, the guys. And it was all positive, by the way. I never said anything bad about any of those guys that got drafted. Uh, but it, it is a question. Fair enough. But it is funny just how he's adapted because I think he is – not necessarily laxed in his principles, but adjusted. He's adjusted, adjusted for the time. He's adjusted to what the modern era athlete needs in order for them to reach their own potential. And I think there's something to be said for that because there's a lot of really stubborn football coaches. A lot, a lot, a lot of really stubborn football coaches, and he's not that. He's not. Uh, and what's funny is, if you were to ask me ten years ago if he was stubborn, I would have said yes. <laughs> and what's funny now is, I, I would say he's he's absolutely not. He's willing to change, and is more than happy to to change if he thinks that can benefit the team. 
Well, and and just to, to wrap up the Twitter story, to your credit, I ask you to not tweet the rest of the season. <laughs> you stopped tweeting. I said you can tweet the day after the last game, and I'm not sure we had gotten back to the hotel um, before it was fired up. Maybe for the Citrus Bowl. I can't remember. <laughs> it's not about the. T- I don't. I, know, I am I'm not. Just, I, I. What's funny is I. Remember, you enjoyed it back then, though. I did uh, yeah. more so than I do than now. You do now. Uh, there's a lot more vitriol spewed at me now, yeah. uh, considering I have to have a strong opinion in regards to You wear to green ties football. on the air. I, don't I know did wear a green tie last week, and all of a sudden now, because I'm Irish and I wore a green tie, <laughs> I'm now a leprechaun amongst my friends <laughs> and colleagues at ESPN. Well, at least they've at least you found your niche. <laughs> hey, you know, I want to go back, and we, I want to talk about the SEC championship game in a minute, but I, I, I think when I think back to that 09 team, I think about – those seven or eight days in Pasadena mm-hmm. and the and the way the group was dialed in. I can – Roe just – and you'll see Roe tomorrow night. And Rolando McLean is is one of my favorite people of all time. He was one of the hardest people on me when I was here, but he's one oh, yeah. of my favorite people of all time. But, man, there was a leadership within that team. There, you guys owned that group. You guys disciplined each other. You managed each other. And your expectation level for, for yourself and your teammates was as high as it was for Coach for you guys. Can you talk to us a little bit about that week? Because it was really a special time. It was. I remember there being a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, I remember the first night, uh, we just had to get out of the hotel. Like uh, we just, we had to, and we took the entire team. We went to Dave and Buster's, and that's and we and it was in the Irvine Spectrum, and it was exactly what we needed because right. it was three weeks, four weeks at the time or whatever. Yeah, long. Break. Where you play in early December. And then you have four weeks off, you go home for Christmas, but you can't ever really escape it, especially for the guys that live locally here in the state of Alabama. I was fortunate enough because I was able to go back to Dallas, and it was a little bit... No. But everybody wants to talk about it. It's all you want to talk it's about. Yeah, I was playing Texas, so it was like, yeah. we couldn't, you couldn't escape it anywhere. So the greatest thing that happened in that week was night one in Pasadena, and the entire team went to the Irvine Spectrum. We were, we were all at Dave and & Buster's, and uh, it was what we needed to kind of relax. Um, so that was huge. I, I think the, that team was really unique because a lot of us that were contributing on that team, I don't want to call it the backbone of the team because we certainly needed the pop and we needed the, the personnel in order to get over the hump. Like I thought that the group that was there that Coach had inherited was good enough to win, but not, what, not national championships, not SEC championships. We right. needed the Julios. We needed the Marks. We needed the, the Cody's. We needed the Kareem's. We needed, you know, the guys that had some significant star power. But there were a lot of guys on that team, like Mike Johnson, who was a, a, a guy that, that Saban didn't mm-hmm. recruit. It was Corey Reamer. Corey Reamer, Drew Davis, Baron Huber, Preston Dial, uh, you know, uh, other guys on the defense. Lorenzo Washington. Um, I mean, there's Justin a, Woodall. Justin Woodall, Marquise Johnson, yeah. Javier Arenas. I mean, there were Bobby, a million yeah. examples Brandon Dedrick, who was who was huge in that in that run as well. There were a lot of guys that came here because they loved Alabama. Like yeah. we just loved the school. They came before we were good. Before we, it was good. Yeah, and even Julio and Mark and those guys, they signed up when we were coming off a of six and six. Yeah, there was a genuine there was a genuine appreciation for the school. We all had great pride in representing the University of Alabama, and all we wanted to do. Yeah, of course, we talked privately about championships. Of course, we talked about that. We had goals. We were competitors. And a lot of us came from winning high school programs. I think that's one thing that the previous staff did a great job of. A lot of us came from winning high school programs that had the expectation to win and would be willing to buy in. And then that nucleus of veteran guys that had been to the Independence Bowl in consecutive years, coupled with the influx of young talent, created a recipe that was really special. And... I will always, always cherish having been a part of that team 
knowing that we held each other accountable, we loved each other, we were genuinely in it. The NFL, sure, we talked about it, we thought about it, but it wasn't something that any of us prioritized. Mm -hmm. And I think that made for a really special group that, you know, is going to be fun to to cherish. And we'll come back 10 years from now and celebrate 20 and 10 years from then and celebrate 30. And uh, I would imagine this is a group that probably as we all get a little older, we'll all probably appreciate it even more. Um, just knowing how special that team was and, and what's come as a result of it. I forgot how good of a podcast guy you are because I don't need that many questions. It's like when we used to go in the media <laughs> room and you'd say, Josh, I don't want to be in here very long. I want to make it quick. So I'd be like, okay, we'll make it quick. And then we'd walk out of the media room you know, twice as long as we were supposed to be there and you'd be like, <laughs> you told me it'd be quick. I'm like, well, you were, an- we only took three questions. Yeah. You were in there for 14 minutes. You only took three questions. A little long-winded. You're a little long-winded. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to come back and I enjoy it. Yeah. I appreciate it. But yeah. I'm starting to flash back and I just um, love, I just love that team, man. Like I just oh, think back to it. Team. It was like, it was just one of those things. And I, I get like, like kind of emotional. I did a piece on it in the summer and, and wrote an essay for it and they put video to it. And it almost like made me cry when I was watching it for the first time. Uh, just thinking about like how your life, your life, you work, you know, maybe you work 65 years in your life as a professional, you might work from the age of 22. Some people start working at 18. Some people start working at 14, whenever, whenever it is, you finish 65, 75, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Your entire life can be defined by a very short period of time. And you can position yourself professionally because of something you're able to accomplish. And in a four month period, to think of what we all were able to accomplish together. Yeah. I think it, it, it's sometimes taken for granted because of what's come after it. And I think that team was – I do. I will give you this. I think that team was the, the, was the most together group that worked in harmony. Everything, everything you did was for each other. It was. It was all about each other. And I can remember going into that season, we had a – I don't know if Coach wants me to talk about it, but we had a party at our house. <laughs> and <laughs> we did. We had a party at our house. Uh, probably the Saturday before we opened fall camp. And there was probably of the 125 guys and the 105 guys that would be reporting to camp in about seven or eight days, there were probably 80 of them. Wow. And we were all there. And big Josh Chapman was floating on a, on a, uh, in a pool, uh, floating in a pool. And all of us were floating in, in a pool and we were just all having fun. And it didn't matter where anyone was from or what. We were all in it together. And it was, that was like this jumping, that was the starting point of something that I don't think any of us thought was going to necessarily, and we literally did take it one game at a time. But it, it just showed at that point, everyone was all in together yeah. and we we're going to enjoy each other. And whatever happens this year, we're going to have fun. And and that was kind of one of the beginning parts of it. But it's just amazing how four months in your life can position you to be successful down the road, can allow you. And I wouldn't be doing this job probably if I don't win a national championship. It's full disclosure. Um, so it's just it's just amazing like how much that team has meant to me. And I'm sure I'm not the only one if you were to talk to other people that were on that roster. Uh, I'm sure they would probably echo some of that sentiment. You and I have had a, a, a great friendship ever since, and I, one of my favorite things in life, you're one of those people I can just give a hard time to. Like, it comes yeah. out. I don't even mean to. No, it I'm, comes I'm, out. I'm, I get that. So <laughs> as much trouble as I've given you over the years, I'd like to, to go back here real quick to probably your your most shining moment here, probably the best game you played at Alabama in that SEC championship game. There was a lot that went into that. Got beat by Florida a year before. You know, no one thought Florida could lose, and yeah. they were going to win three out of four, and they were that monster. And, and you played the game of your life, and I wouldn't – the whole – team played fantastic, everyone so I don't want to great. take away from yeah, that. But, everyone was amazing. But I want to know, can you still um, hop scotch down the sideline <laughs> like that now, or would you pull something? Uh, uh, what's funny is I see Cochran 
Scott Cochran, strength and conditioning coach all the time, and there's a drill in fourth quarter <laughs> where you run for 20 yards on one leg. It's not an easy drill. It's not a fun drill. And I used to think it was not an applicable drill, <laughs> which is funny because Cochran's like, yeah, 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 hey, one leg skip, baby, come on. Like, it, and it's it never fails. So, um, no, I, I don't think I could do it anymore, uh, even though my Peloton workout routine and regimen is solid. Um, to think that I could jump down that leg and to think, too, that it happened in the spur of the moment. I'd never really done anything like that, right. ever. Um, needed the first down. Had to have it. Had to so have it. it was uh, it was a pretty cool moment. It was just sheer instincts, um, just trying to <laughs> survive self preservation yeah, and uh, and trying to stay on the field. And it, uh, we got to get you. You got to go down and watch film with your guys, Brian Ryder. They're gonna, all right. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> I watched a lot of tape this week. We're good. <laughs> We're good. You're up on Mac Jones. I'm yeah, excited. I'm set. Uh, but I, I want to talk about you had, a, you had a little bit about your NFL time, and then talk mm-hmm. to me about transitioning out of that because I still remember the day you called me and said, "Hey, I just signed a deal to go work for SEC Network. I'm right. done with football." But and, I, and for part of me, I'm like, "Man, you got more years in you." But I really see the true Greg McElroy comes out behind the microphone. Talk about that. You know, whole process what's, what's funny, bit. and I've, I've tried to tell players this. I've talked to our team about this, and and had a chance to visit with them in the spring a little bit. You never really know when you're auditioning. Yeah, which. I think can be used and applied. Because and 2010, after the, after the, our Citrus Bowl, you went and, and was an analyst for ESPN, right, for the Auburn Yes, Oregon that's game. like the funniest and the most yeah. ironic thing. Like we play this classic game against Cam, and, and we end up coming up short, which still makes me sick. Uh, but they go to the national championship, and I'm sitting there at, at an event in New York. You're with me. Yeah. And National Football Foundation. National Football Foundation. And, and after the event – there's like a little cocktail hour and like a little party, and, and I was mad. I thought I should have won the Campbell Trophy. I thought you should have too. If it I, well, I appreciate that. Uh, I was really not happy. Um, <laughs> but it, it wasn't, you know, who cares at this point? It's water on the bridge. And those at the National Football Foundation, if they're listening, I still feel like I got robbed. But And I'm really <laughs> proud of you for moving on and not holding <laughs> yeah, on to dude. this. And really, yeah, I'm with you. What's funny is we're sitting there, and I'm, I'm talking to Herb Street, and we're talking about um, talking about the game, he goes, you know, you just played a classic against Auburn. You want to come to Phoenix and where are you training? I'm like, well, I'm going to be training in Southern California. He goes, well, you want to come to Phoenix and, and talk about Auburn? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like, how many? Like, sure. <laughs> like, why not? Um, and little did I know is when you're in production meetings on Fridays and you're visiting with all these producers and talent executives especially when we played in big games so usually the bigger the game you're probably going to have more mm-hmm. executives that are there and, and they're going to be sitting in I didn't realize at the time is they were they had kind of circled me and said well you know if he if he wanted to do television he might be a guy that we would target right. down down the road um because you never stop talking oh I'm sorry <laughs> well you are there are time constraints in uh in television that that sometimes work against me but um <laughs> Long story short is I, I didn't really know that this was going to be the plan. I didn't study broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I didn't study any of those things. I was going to go to law school and run for office. <laughs> so that was what I was going to do. And then I had a good senior year, a really good senior year, and, and I got a lot better, and, and I ended up getting drafted. Um, and I didn't really ever think about TV until after I went and did it and had so much fun doing it. And then I started to realize I was in the league, I was living in a hotel, uh, I had just torn my PCL on my left knee, 
and I still had to practice through it because you can't make the club in the tub, right? <laughs> I end up I end up finishing up, and uh, they had Jets put me on injury waiver or whatever yeah. it was. So I end up in Cincinnati, and I'm sitting there in Cincinnati thinking. I can grind, I can claw and scratch, and with my physical abilities, I can maybe squeak out two or three more, maybe four. If I got lucky, if I got in the right situation, it could be six. Who knows? Right. So maybe I get... As a backup, though. You as a backup, yeah. yeah. I mean, and is it money? Yeah, it's great. It's great money. It's all this stuff. But I was completely unfulfilled. Like, I missed college. I didn't like living alone in a hotel room. I didn't like constantly feeling as though I was one phone call away or one twisted ankle away from being uh, en route to another destination, whether it be a different team or, or waivers or whatever it may be. So I thought to myself, I can do what I truly love. I can stay in football, which I can't live without. It's become... You could run for office out of that later, too. <laughs> no, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that, that path or avenue anymore, but... I knew I'd miss the game, and I couldn't cut it cold turkey. I just couldn't. So I thought I'd do television for a couple of years um, and then maybe figure it out. That would be something I did in the fall, and then in the spring I'd do something else. Well, I realized quickly that, like, I love this job, and it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can never have enough information. And then I was fortunate enough after a couple of years to get in the booth, and now it's a drug. <laughs> is Really, it's what it is. I get it. It's a drug. I'm here 12 years, and, and it's a drug. There, there's an adrenaline rush. When you're sitting up there in the booth prior to a big game, that just can't be replicated. And I just love doing it. It's it's what I'm so passionate doing. I love watching tape. I love talking to the players. I love talking to the coaches. I love studying it. And it's it's really been a fun transition. It's something I plan on doing for the next 30 years. It's truly the perfect example. And I'm going to go on to this, but I want to say this. It's truly the perfect example of you come to this place, you play for coach, you do things the right way, you take his life lessons, you understand where he's coming from, and it prepares you to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. If you want to go run for office, go run for office. If you want to go to TV, there's plenty of you that have done that too. So I, I think it speaks to coach. But I want to wrap up real quick. You've got to go. We've got to get this moving along. But um, talk about the academic side of this. For, because Alabama, you know, they think of the football factory. But there's yeah. a lot of people here that do it, right? You were an academic All-American. You are a Campbell Award finalist. Talk about that academic side and what that degree from this place means to you. What's funny is um, I remember when I was, when I was coming out and – People negative recruit. That's not that's not news yeah, to anyone. New, yeah. No, and so it's getting worse. Yeah, it's, it's always been bad. I can assure you. And I remember my dad went on to have a very successful career and worked in professional sports. Mm-hmm. And my dad went to Hawaii. And I remember when I was coming out of high school, there was an expectation level that hey, you go where you want to go and doesn't really matter. Well, when he talked to Stanford, well, why why you know we, Stanford's a great. It's a 40-year decision. Talk to Duke. Talk to North Carolina. Talk to Michigan. Talk to these schools that are known as being these academic powerhouses where you can do both, play football, win, and get an incredible degree. And what I realized is Alabama is an incredible degree in its own right. Mm -hmm. And a degree is what you make of it, and it's the networking that you do while in school Mm -hmm. that makes it unique. When you walk in... If you want to live in Birmingham, Alabama, or if you want to live in the state of Alabama, the South, or wherever, now you can go anywhere, New York, L.A., Texas, Dallas. Dallas, where I'm from, my high school, my senior year, I was the only person from Dallas that went, or the only person from my high school that went to Alabama. My sister also came to Alabama. She graduated 10 people that came to Alabama. Don't tell how many Southwest <laughs> kids come here now. It's unreal. So it's... it's One a, works in our office. It's amazing, that. though, how the university, and credit the Dr. Witt, 
and, and everybody Absolutely. that had the vision for what the university was going to become. I think we all, in the, as optimistic as we were about the growth of the university, I don't think any of us could have, uh, I don't think any of us could have envisioned what the university would become, and honestly, just how the academic reputation has been benefited, frankly, from the football program. Yeah. Like I, I, I mean, it sounds crazy, but there is a three and a half hour infomercial. Every Saturday. Our athletics are the window to your university. It is it is a three-and-a-half-hour infomercial yeah. every single Saturday. And there's something to be said for that. And I think that it's a great example of if you prioritize football and you make a, a legitimate – you make football a priority or basketball, depending on the school, you make sports a priority, kids are going to come, and they're going to want to be a part of that. And as a result of that influx from out of state – every other program in the university is going to improve. So the degree today means more because more people are coming here from out of state. More people are staying in state once they graduate. And as a result, I mean, it's it's just amazing. I, I, I'm just so proud of this university and and how it's changed. And, and I'm so, so incredibly proud of, of what it's become to now be an alumnus of the university. Yeah. And it's not just football. It's not, but absolutely, football's a big deal, <laughs> and we need to embrace that. And it is amazing how everyone in the university has rallied around it, and and not use it. It's been a positive, and completely it, the growth, and the people here. We reach into New England. You can go into Greenwich, Connecticut, and have wherever you want. Four hundred people show up to the recruiting. I thing. lived in New York City. I lived in New York City. It was on IR, and I went every Saturday to the Ainsworth, and there were 150 people every Saturday at the Ainsworth, and it felt like game day in Brian Denny. I mean, it's just it, yeah. the it, the opportunities are endless. I go overseas and I went to Europe for the first time on our honeymoon. You're getting roll tides in Paris. People know who you are. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that. Yeah, maybe. Um, but it That's is it is amazing just how um, football puts it on the map. But great academics keeps it there. And I, I think that there's something there's something to be said about how our university has embraced the fact that yes, football is a huge part, but it's not the only part. And as a result, football can allow other things to grow. As, uh, as well, including other athletic programs. Mm-hmm. And look how many national championships I mean, we've had since 09 in other sports softball, men's golf, women's a golf. A million of them. I mean, the commitment's the been amazing, like you said. I mean, softball is a great example of a team. Gymnastics is a great Gymnastics. example of, of a team that's been incredible. I mean, and so it's, it's definitely. It's definitely something that I'm proud of, but it's it's also great to know that, that football is always going to like, – I'm sitting here with Pash and Luganville. We go somewhere every Saturday. Yeah. And Pash has no affinity whatsoever for any university he went to Syracuse. He's like the ultimate broadcast guy. And he's like, this is just so cool. Well, as soon as you get on campus, it's just different. There's just something about football here at Alabama. And, and we're fortunate to go a lot of great places, but I'm, I'm still convinced that if you want to play football, get a great education, win a lot of games, I went to the best place. <laughs> well, Greg, I think you and I could do this for another hour, but uh, we need to wrap this up, get you back to work, get me back to work. But I appreciate it. Good luck. I can't wait for uh, for Saturday night to get everybody back here and, and, and get the crew back together. So I'm excited for you. Enjoy enjoy the call Saturday night against Arkansas with you, David, and, and Tom. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Always glad to be back. We roll on with two members of our soccer team, Taylor Morgan and Chloe Mays, who talked about everything from Chloe making the homecoming court this fall after being nominated by the Tide Student Athlete Advisory Committee to also life on the road and coming from a family that includes 10 Alabama graduates. I'm Taylor Morgan. I'm here with Chloe. Hey guys. Um, so today we're just talking about uh, like homecoming and what it was like running for homecoming court um, with SAC and whatnot. Um, so that was originally when I kind of 
got asked, would you be interested in it? I automatically thought like, no, no way, I'm not doing that. Um, it was kind of something super out of my comfort zone. Like it's not always comfortable campaigning for yourself. Like, hey, vote for me. Like that can be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but looking back now, I'm so glad I did it. I definitely broke like a lot of personal barriers, I think. Um, I met so many new people on campus, not even just student athletes, so many you know, students from all walks of life um, that I got to work with. So um, that was awesome. And I think the best part was kind of what it meant to my family. I've had 10 uh, family members graduate from Alabama. So this has always been a super, uh, super special place for us. And um, getting to walk out uh, on the Bryant-Denny field with my dad and my mom on the sideline, um, you know, I, I knew that they were super proud of me. And yeah, it's a feeling I, I won't forget. What was it like having like all the athletes back you up and stuff? Like we all campaigned for you and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool because one of our goals um, at the beginning of the campaign was to really emphasize like the community, the student athlete community on campus because I feel like we all get super busy playing our own sports and we all have different lift times and practice times and all that kind of stuff and we see each other in the dining hall but it's like it's almost it was the feeling of like you know if at that point I needed people helping me campaign and stuff and I definitely had that and I had that support um so I hope every student athlete at some point gets to like really feel that sense of community uh when they're on campus I know you definitely helped me in my campaign I have no doubt that Taylor was running around campus yelling vote for Chloe of course of course um so like being a senior um and this being your last season and obviously running for homecoming queen, what was this year like for you? I feel like homecoming was just kind of the cherry on top of everything. It's been hard and up and down for years, and I feel like I've grown so much from it. Um, I think about, you know, like going through recruiting, you can go so many different places, and I chose Alabama, and um, even with injuries and everything that's happened, like I would not change it for the world. I'm, It's the best decision I've ever made, um, and – yeah, I'm I'm excited for the next chapter of my life, but I I'm definitely going to reflect on the last 4 years as soon as it's over and just feel so much gratitude for for Alabama. Do you ever think about like using your last year? Uh, cuz like you know we've been asking you all season like <laughs> please say, please say. Um do you ever like consider it or how do you feel about it? I've thought about it before like because we were on a winning streak like in the middle of the season we hadn't lost for like six or seven games and I was like well I was like shoot like this program is going in such like a good direction like these new recruits coming in and stuff even the freshmen like I feel like at practice like you wouldn't know who the freshmen are like everybody is so talented and I'm like shoot I really want to be a part of this like I I don't want to it's like I have FOMO like I don't want to miss out on anything (laughs) but then I get into practice and the knees are a little old, and I'm like, it's pro- it's time, but I'm excited <laughs> to see where you guys go because I know next year is your senior season. What are you going to miss the most? Like, what, what should I cherish, like, in general about, like, the senior season? Yeah. Um, I talked to Emma Welch before the season started because she was one of our seniors last year, and I was just like, any un- – any advice on basically how to make it go by slower because I was like this is the last one like I'm I'm not I'm not gonna play professionally I was like this is the last time we're gonna play soccer again but she was like there's no way you can slow it down like it's gonna go by so fast but she was like every game will kind of run together in your mind like you want to win you want to win every game but 
really like being present in the locker room and on the bus and in the hotel, those have been like keys for me. Like I, I never want to miss out on those moments because I know that's what I'm going to, I'm going to look back and be like, that was really funny when we watched that movie or, you know, stuff yeah, like, like that. Memories, yeah. yeah. You're good at that. You're always like in, <laughs> in the center of it. So I know, I know you'll be good at that. Um, what do you think you're not going to miss? Like, like what are the, what are the worst things you think? Like. Um, I already have started to feel bad for you guys, the whole um, after-season workouts, and then you go away for a month, and it's Christmas time, so you really just want to eat a bunch of food, but you always have that anxiety in the back of your mind. What's, when does school start again? January 8th? Yeah, when you guys, yeah, you know that January 9th, on the morning of January 9th, you are going to have to yeah. get 32 on the beep test. So having that feeling... I won't miss. I'm going to be doing yoga and (laughs) (laughs) and yeah, I'm going to get some brunch and I'm going to do yoga and a bunch of things. What do you think like off the field that you took the most from being a student athlete here at Alabama? I would say, God, there's so many things that it like teaches you. And I know you know the same thing. Like obviously people always give the answer like time management, which is so true. Like you don't even realize you're learning that, but like you are, you have to like, you have to learn it. Um, But I would say, I came in a semester early and I was 17 and like mentally like I thought I you know could handle certain things and that first semester like it hits kicked, you. Yes, I, I know first yes, it hits you. literally kicked me in the butt and yeah. I was like I was like I don't know if I'm gonna make it like not thinking about transferring but I'm like I'm gonna literally have Being to an athlete. like I was like I might have to quit this sport like I don't know if me. I can do me. this and so that lasted like the whole semester and and then I mean it started to get easier but like with both ACLs and everything like realizing like you can handle so much more than you think you can if you just take it like day by day and um like prioritize things and lean on the people that are closest to you like you can make it through so much more than than you really think you can yeah and like for both your ACLs um like what kept you going because like having something that is so important to you being taken away from you like soccer um and watching us travel you know and seeing us practice like how'd you get through that because a lot of athletes you know yeah have that issue yeah I think it was like the relationships with you guys like the the younger girls too but especially like like the senior class and then your junior class like seeing y'all uh, like when y'all would travel obviously I was sad but I wanted to see you do well so um seeing you guys have a good time and and winning games and us getting better and better as a team I was like I really really want to be a part of that again so um you know after the second ACL I was like should this be it kind of went through like that the first one I didn't because I was like obviously I'm going to come back but the mm-hmm. second one I thought about it a little bit more but we're on such like a uphill slope like we're getting better and better so I was like I want to be a part of something like that again Mm -hmm. so um like in off the field like how were you able to get involved in like all the community service like you know because you do probably the most community service that on our team that I've seen like and you're so involved in like Alberta and like that kind of stuff like how'd you make time for all that I don't know. This is something I've kind of struggled. I at the beginning of college, I would just say yes to everything because you know how me. you're stressed <laughs> out. Me yes, <laughs> you're stressed out about your resume, and you're like, I need to do like all this stuff. I need to join every committee that there is to join, <laughs> and so I did. And there were times the last four years, I'm like, why did I say yes to this? Like, I don't even have time to do homework. But I've learned different things from all all the committees and all the volunteer stuff that that I've done and. Um, that especially helped me learn time management and how to prioritize different things and make lists, to-do lists, and actually 
do them yeah, during them. the day. Yeah. 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 Um, and, like, what was it like already have graduated and starting, like, more school while you still with, are within your four years? Because you did that, and, like, a lot of girls I know are trying to do that. Um, but how hard was it? Like, what was your plan to go about that? Like, starting um, grad school and stuff? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's getting more and more popular on campuses. Like, I don't know what certain schools have it, but I'm in the communication school, and they have an accelerated master's program. Um, And I also learned about that from Emma Welch, too, who I felt – I mean, I probably have mentioned her, like, twice already, but she was (laughs) kind of, like, one of my mentors for, like, school and soccer. But um, she told me about the AMP program, and I went in and took the GRE and had to study for that for three months. But it's such a good opportunity because – you can do both of them at the same time. And I think it's like 12 dual credit hours or something like that. So you're not taking as many undergrad classes and replacing those with some graduate level classes, which I've learned more in. And so you come out with both degrees and I was like, shoot, I need to do that. (laughs) Well, you surely inspired a lot of us on the team because now there's like four or five girls doing the same exact thing. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people didn't know about it. And I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. There were like six people in my they call it a cohort but it's like our our master's program and I'm like where are the other students like why are <laughs> why hiding because we have no idea what's going this? on <laughs> yeah but I the accelerating master's programs are definitely growing on campuses and I was just motivated to to get both degrees and my mm. parents were like don't come home until you have <laughs> until you two have degrees them. and I was like I gotta get two degrees <laughs> <laughs> no yeah well what's your favorite thing like from soccer that you're always gonna remember like your best memory like it can be in school, like out of school, academics, whatever. Oh, jeez. I don't think I can pick one. Do you have one? You have just one that you can pick? Well, I liked when we made it to the tournament. Like, that was, like, oh, something yeah. really cool because, like, we made program history. You had Florida State, too, the, when oh, yeah. we ups- – what were the- – they were ranked, like, number five when yeah, we beat in them. Yeah, in the country. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was – I, like, remember that big- for you. I don't <laughs> even know if that's in your memory, but I'm like, Taylor Morgan, we beat Florida State. Yeah, that State. was a good memory <laughs> for me. But, like – like, with your senior class, because, like, you guys did start off. There was, when I came in early, you guys were still living in the dorms. You're still freshmen. There was probably 12 of y'all plus the six of us that came in early. So, like, as a senior class, now you're graduating with three. Like, what was that like to just be here still through it all, through your injuries? Like, what was it like? Yeah, it's almost like I'm so proud of the three of us because people leave or stop playing for, like, all different reasons. And there were definitely reasons that came up in all, like, there's three of us in the last four years. There's definitely been a reason to maybe like stop for every single one of us. But I think it was our relationships with the underclassmen and with your junior class and with each other. Like, I don't think that we weren't ready to stop being like a part of what we are now. So, um, yeah, I would, I, it all goes back to like relationships. I, I would say that for all of us, like we all love soccer, but it's relationships with coaches and people and um like supporting staff that I think kept us kept us all going yeah I agree I think it seems getting real real close and yeah you know we're creating something that's really really awesome yeah um but if you had to say one thing to maybe the the rest of us underclassmen um like about your career like what would you leave us with like if you wanted us to remember you by something what do you think it would be I kind of touched on it earlier but like just knowing that even like in the middle of like conditioning or an injury or there are those afternoons where you have to go to practice, but you're like, well, I have four hours of schoolwork that I need to do. Like one thing I've taken away, like I'm so proud of how mentally tough I am now. Like if I looked at the 17 year old that I came in as 
it's not like it was 15 years ago, but this has it been... feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, feel, yeah literally, I feel old. day after day. I feel old. But, like, you can just handle and do so much more than you think you can. Mm-hmm. And that's something I would try to pass along to everybody, especially the freshmen. Like, you come in freshman year, like, nobody has an easy freshman year. I feel like we're pretty nice to our freshmen. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We, are so we try to make it easy yeah. on them. Like, they did yeah. not have it like we had it. But oh, For sure. Yeah, especially to the freshmen. Like, you can do so much more than you think you can. Um, and what about, like, watching the alums play in the World Cup, um, like, Delia and whatnot? Like, what, what was that like knowing that, like, we've played with her, like, or you've played with her for a long time? Yeah, that, like literally made me emotional because I rehabbed with Thelia for our first ACL and she was like not that she would bully me Thelia if you're listening <laughs> if you, to this yeah, if you know I don't Thelia. think that you actually bully me but she was tough on me like there were days that I would come in and I I just wouldn't want to do rehab I just wanted to kind of like not do any of it and sit back and just go through the motions and one day she grabbed me by the shirt, literally by the top of my shirt, and, like, pulled me up to her. She was like, do you want to get back on the field? And I was like, uh, yes. And she was like, okay, well, then you better give 110%. You're giving, like, 50% right now, and that's not good enough. And that's something that I will literally, that day, like, I will never forget. Like, she kind of made me start, like, crying because I was, like, scared of her. But at the same time, I was, like, I was, like. I hope she's listening. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is value to She'll definitely remember this, too. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, she she was tough, but she pushed me, and I I, don't, I definitely wouldn't have gotten through that first ACL without her. And to see her living out her dreams now, playing on the national team in the World Cup, she was on the cover of a magazine. All that every time yeah. I see her on Instagram, I want to just comment in all caps. Oh my gosh, I know her. <laughs> so yeah, we're all proud of her. Yeah, she was a good player for a good player. She captain, was a great yeah, player for us is. and our captain. Yeah. yeah, so so we're really proud of her. Um, so. What was your favorite, like, Alabama memory outside of soccer um, that, like, you experienced within your four years here? Like, away trips, like, that kind of stuff, like, bus rides, you know, like, any of that. Like, what was your favorite uh, memory, you think? <laughs> I would say this this just started in the last two years, but bus karaoke. That stuff is so funny. <laughs> and Riley Mattingly dancing on the bus. Uh, Riley dancing anywhere, really. But I would say, yeah, I would say the bus karaoke um, we've gotten a couple coaches to, uh, to participate in it, but yeah, I, I would definitely say the bus karaoke is one of my favorite things. And what's it like, like traveling all over the country, like with some of your closest friends? Yeah. I like other people, maybe that like aren't student athletes. Like some people have literally been like in their hometown, maybe a couple other places for vacation. And then like where they go to school now, like in the span of three months, we went to Missouri, We've Texas, yeah, Texas, yeah, Georgia, Florida, like, yeah, everywhere, and, yeah. And with club, like we tra- we traveled everywhere too. Like I've probably been close to over half the states by now. So, um, and like you're doing it with tw- how many of your our best friends? Yeah, twenty six, twenty six of, of your closest yeah. friends. So it's like getting to go to camp, like summer camp, like every weekend. You just don't really get like experiences like that in life unless you're a student athlete and 
we get to do it in style because yeah, we're part of something really special. Whether we're at Alabama about the private planes, <laughs> yes, to yeah, ride on. yeah, literally. Like you, I would know if I'm not a student athlete. Like I'm definitely not getting to ride in a private plane with my oh, best friends. Oh, for sure not. No way, well, unless we're I'm not paying Kylie for it. Jenner. Yeah. Like I'm not getting to do that. So right, when I'm famous, I'll, I'll bring you on it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, what about like after college? Like, what do you think you're gonna do? Um, like after you're done playing soccer, you know, what what do you think your plans are? working somehow in sports marketing like in that area um obviously like in personal life like Mm -hmm. I you know I want to have a good career and I'm in sports management so I want to stay in sports and sports have been such a big part of my life so yeah I don't know there's I'm kind of waiting for doors to open and Really just... Seeing where it takes you. Yeah. It's not... I'm such a planned person, but I feel like where I am right now, like, you can't really... You can't really have a plan. So, I know know it'll work out, and I'll find something that I'm happy doing, and I'll love it. So, kind of just waiting it out. And how do you think Alabama has helped, like, prepare you through, um, like, you know, like, all the meetings we have to go through, like, with the help of our academic advisors, like, you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah, Um, like, Jesse Gardner in Student Athlete Enhancement, she has helped me so much with, like, resume building, like, all those little things that they tell us that we're required to do, and we're like, oh, we don't really want to do this. What they Like, by your senior year, you're like, thank goodness I did that. Because, (laughs) like, this stuff actually matters. And when I was a freshman and sophomore, like, I had to go to these required meetings. I didn't really want to. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, but they, they know that we really are just like focused on our sports and they kind of have to like reel us back in mm-hmm. be like, okay, like sports are going to end one day for most of us. So we need to focus on resume building, professional development, um, making sure the courses that we're taking are actually going to like help us in the real world, like after yeah. college. And we don't realize that in the moment. And then, you know, once it's like time to leave, you're like, Oh wow. You're like, yeah. this place really helped this me made out. Me someone <laughs> yeah. Outside my sport. yeah. yeah. Um, so I know you did mention earlier how, uh, 10 members of your family went to Alabama. Um, and I just want to know if there's, like, any other schools that, you know, you're interested in, because I do know how you were committed to Georgia. Um, what played a part in you deciding to come to Alabama? So earlier in my high school career, I was like, well, I knew in the back of their mind they were always like, Alabama, Alabama, please go to Alabama. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to go. Like, I want to go somewhere else and, you know, try and make my mark elsewhere. But – I think at the end of the day, it worked out exactly how it was supposed to. But I think when you're that young, you don't really understand, like, the importance of, like, legacy and tradition and, you know, walking in people's footsteps that have been great and stuff. You don't really, like, understand that. And I was like, well, I just want to go somewhere else because it would be fun. But all those things are exactly what Alabama has been. And at this point now in my life, I I understand how special all of those things are, not only for me, but... Um, you know, the people that graduated from here, it's not, it's not random people. It's my immediate family. It's my parents met in the rec center. My dad was my mom's flag football coach and that's how they met. It was my, both of my grandparents, both sets of my grandparents, both sets of aunt and uncles. So it's everybody that has an immediate impact on me. So, you know, carrying on the tradition of Alabama in our family has been something that I'll always be super proud of. So Um, Well, I think it's about time we wrap it up, but um, thank you so much for being here with us today um, and telling us about you. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. (laughs) 
And for our final segment, Rootsville Drift talks to the Crimson Tide's first-year head swimming and diving coach, Coley Stickles, about a big summer for the Crimson Tide, plus the new state-of-the-art training facility that is coming online at the Alabama Aquatic Center, and a unique style of training that includes mixed martial arts. All right, we're here at a newly renovated uh, Alabama Aquatic Center with uh, head coach Coley Stickle. Coley, uh, appreciate you being on with us. Thanks for having me. Right here in the beginning of November, you guys are still outside, you know, coaching on deck. Uh, beautiful weather. Um, that, that's got to be a little change from your last stop in Indiana. Yeah, I can't complain uh, when it's sunny and 70 degrees out, and uh, we have outdoor pool and um, perfect ventilation, of course, because we're breathing fresh air. And uh, a lot different from the cold uh, tundra of Indiana where I came from, but. Um, yeah, having the sun and, and 70 degrees and great ventilation makes for a pretty uh, exciting practice. Yeah, and it's, you know, I can tell you from my career, you know, the, the chance to be outside and, and train like that, um, uh, especially, you know, into the winter is a really special thing. I mean, it's not something that you get everywhere, especially not with a brand new facility like you have here. Well, I mean, I, we're looking like we can train probably outdoors eight, nine months minimum out of the year here. And um, then, of course, the indoor pool, uh, which is brand new, um, with brand new ventilation in there, which is critical. Um, I'm coming from L.A. originally, so all we had was outdoor pools there. So people coming from the West Coast, uh, accustomed to swimming outdoors constantly, would, would find this place pretty darn sweet. Yeah, it is, I think, one of the hidden gems. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, the, the facility as a whole is new. There's, uh, you know, the 50-meter um, pool, long known as one of the, uh, the fastest in the, in the world, um, is a great training space. It's, uh, we've got every conceivable amenity possible um, from our, our team lounge area to the new offices to the new outdoor and indoor pools, uh, the new training room. Um, you know, we've got no excuse not to, you know, not to be one of the best teams in the country. We've, um, <clears throat> it's fully loaded with all types of protein shakes and, and everything you can imagine in terms of nutrition. Uh, we've got huge TVs and speakers everywhere, and then we've got dry land equipment, cutting edge stuff. And so we, we really want for nothing here. Um, I know that you guys have made a kind of a change to, to the protocol this year and the fact that, you know, they're getting... Uh, you know, getting them done with practice and there's a catered meal waiting for them to, to, to refuel and get ready for the next thing. So we have these, these, this new team room, which um, is perfect for the, the catering. So what we typically do on Saturdays after practice when everybody kind of trains together um, or even one or two times during the week, we try to just cater a meal into the team lounge. And it usually consists of, you know, organic fruits and vegetables and proteins and pretty high quality stuff. And basically they're getting out of the water and walking 10 feet and the meal's right there, hot, ready to go. Um, And if they don't want that, then, you know, you've got a, uh, what I believe is the best cafeteria for athletes in the country about 100 feet away. So everything is is perfect um, for the athletes to get fed immediately after they're done working out. Well, and I'm really excited, too, for the new recovery center, which is even closer to the pool than the weight room, and that thing's supposed to be done by next summer, and uh, that's got the uh, cryo chambers and the anti-gravity beds and uh, every uh, recovery modality you could possibly imagine, so, um, you know, uh, 
athletic director Greg talks about kind of the the Cold War, who has the best facility, and it keeps you know mounting and going. And um, I, I've got to believe, based on you know, and I've been to quite a few facilities uh, from the weight room to team and lounges and swimming. I've got to believe ours is one of the best, if not the best, in the country. And I think one of the things that Greg really, uh, Greg Byrne really focuses on, and, and it's it really shows here at Alabama, and it's something that's been going on for a while. Is these are things that, that help the student athlete, um, whether it's the, uh, the the Bill Battle Academic Center, you know, like you said, the new um, sports science um, building, you know, everything is designed to help them get where they want to go. Well, I, I couldn't, um, and that was one of the reasons I uh, I ended up coming here. I mean, athletic director uh, Byrne was was unbelievably supportive as it comes to swimming and diving. I mean, you just don't see that kind of support at other programs. And I had looked at other programs. I had been at a top three school, um, so I kind of know what what that entails. And I even swam uh, at a top three school in the Pac-12 many, many years ago. But um, I've never seen support like this for swimming at any school. So we're extremely grateful to him and our athletic department for what they're putting into swimming because there aren't facilities being built like this current current day so uh, we're, we're very grateful and, and you, you mentioned um, the, the, that mentality I mean, it kind of goes across the board uh, you know this is a place where champions go to, to, to win um, you know whether it's football you know men's golf women's golf gymnastics um, softball you know was at the World Series making a run last year it, it's it, it, this is a place for champions correct we um, We've had the, the fortunate um, experience this year to bring in top-level recruits. Um, we've already gotten several commitments from top-level recruits. Um, and, you know, the future as it stands right now for Alabama swimming and diving is fantastic. We, uh, we realize that, that there's a renewed sense of interest in uh, Alabama, and uh, it doesn't take much. I mean, it, the place sells itself. We don't have to do much recruiting. When you come down and you take a look at what we have to offer from the coaching staff, resources, and facilities, it's to me, it's a no-brainer. And you really went around the summer um, building, or even last spring, building a, uh, a coaching staff that, that's got a lot of experience. Um, they've been winners wherever they've been, and, and they've, they've been able to help build programs. And, and that's something that... Uh, I think it's got to be attractive to anybody who wants to, to swim fast. Well, in my previous position, I had the, the fortunate uh, opportunity to kind of think about uh, who I would want to assemble, you know, when I became a head coach. And so these were hand-selected individuals that I had known for years. Uh, I had worked with some of them at various places. So these were my top picks, and I believe they are the very best in the country at what they do. They all have different skill sets. We all complement each other well. And the other thing about our staff that, that's pretty cool is that we get along. I mean, it's um, we're all good friends, and we, uh, we like to have fun, and, and we try to create an environment of fun and, and engagement. And we all have you know differing personalities, so what might not be a good fit for one person may be a good fit for another. So it's... We, we have kind of the, the blend of, of a big, diverse staff, which, which that's what I was going for. And you talked a little bit about there's a, uh, you know, a sense of intensity um, that they really enjoy. Um, this, is not, you know, this is not just splashing around. No, I mean, it, it's a little different. You know, it, 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 maybe 10 years ago it was considered unorthodox, but um, I think people, you know, there are certain coaches now that are, that are trying to implement these types of 
you know, dry land and, and sw- things we're doing in the water. But yeah, for I'm not a high volume guy. So I, what I'm what I'm doing now is I, I respect these the, their time. So I realize that they're student athletes and that uh, academics here are, are vital and they're the most important thing because there's going to be a life after swimming. And, you know, we're third in the country on the women's side for Team GPA and we're top 10 for men. And, um, you know, one of the things we do is we amp up the intensity, but it's engaging at the same time. And it doesn't take a lot of time, but it does take a lot of effort. And I think that it's um, kind of catered to this generation of, of kids that are, are going to work hard. They're going to do the work, but they, there needs to be a purpose. There needs to be a why. And um, if you can get them engaged and get them to enjoy what they're doing, then that's a, that's a bonus. And like, like I tell people, I haven't asked, had many kids ask for a refund yet. Yeah, you talk a little bit about the, the dry land. Uh, it, it's a little different. I mean, you know, when I was coming up, it was, you know, rowing machines and uh, the swim benches. But this is, this is, the, the, there are boxing bags out there. Yeah. So we, we still have the rowing machines and the Versa climbers and all the, the, the bells and whistles. But yeah, we, we do some interesting stuff on the ground. We do some MMA stuff. We do some Muay Thai, some kickboxing, some regular boxing. Um, and I've, you know, I, I, it started out by me watching, you know, Chuck Norris and, and Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. And then, you know, back in a few years ago, I would hire MMA specialists and Muay Thai people. So I was learning how to train these athletes properly and then, um, got hooked up with the light heavyweight champion of the world, Virgil Hill in LA and um, got a lot of tips from him and he worked with our team for a while. So I've been trained by some of the best people in the world and um, we use a mix of you know martial arts obviously and then we have, like you said, the rowing machines, the Versa climbers and then we do an interesting style of weights which I oversee and um, it's complex dynamic compound movements that we're gonna try and simulate what we're doing in the water and keep the athletes durable uh, flexible, agile, and um, you know, powerful in the water. And uh, you know, we've already seen um, some some great results from just you know the, the 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 training that you've done early. You know, Zane Waddell this summer had a big summer. Kenzie McMahon, uh, Liam Bell coming in. Um, what was it like to kind of go through that summer? Where and, and again, it's not just sprints it's not just distance we, we you know kind of across the board there was a lot of success this summer well the funny thing is about kenzie where while well, she was you know, she got second at the mile at the um at u.s nationals this summer and it was funny because i'm you know i have this kind of typecasted as a sprint coach but then you know one of my kids gets second in the mile and i had other coaches cheering for me while she was swimming which i thought was was pretty funny but um she's an incredibly hard worker i think sky's the limit for her she's just you know now on the national team and then uh moving up her way she's already been an ncaa finalist but you know she's in contention to win win the mile this year and and top eight in other events then you've got uh liam bell's a freshman and he's um he's he's raw i mean he's won junior nationals he's on the junior national team but i you know, he's never really done much strength training. He, does, he hasn't done much anaerobic sprint training. Uh, we've, got, we've got some technique things to work on. So, again, he's a guy that you're going to look for in the finals at Olympic trials. And then, um, of course, Zane, you know, winning a world champion, uh, 50 back gold medal, kind of came out of nowhere and shocked, shocked the world. And um, it really wasn't too much of a surprise to me. I, you know, we, 
the goal at the beginning of the summer for him was to you know medal at World University Games and then take a crack at making the final at World Championships and then rolling the dice in a 50 back is kind of what you do and um, he made the final at World Championships and he, he got a lane and um, you know I had to double take a few times to see the, the results after he won because I was a little delirious I think it was three o'clock in the morning here and I wasn't sure if I was dreaming or not. Yeah, that, that time difference uh, d- does play havoc with uh, with being a uh, swim fan. Yeah, you've got those three, and, the, and there's a lot of other um, talent on this team right now. But they're also getting a chance to, to watch uh, three kids uh, that you brought with you. What's it like, uh, you know, to, to have this team be able to see that level of, of training and that level of you know intensity? I think it it raises the standard. I think you know these kids get a chance to see what Olympic gold medalists do on a daily basis. And it's not just what they're doing in the pool. It's how they eat. It's how they conduct themselves. It's in and out of the pool. Um, so these kids get an opportunity to, you know, compare them, compare themselves against the very best. Um, and they're, they're good people. I mean, they're, they're some of uh, they're people that have, you know, been training with me for years. Amanda Kendall and Margot Gear have been with me, you know, from the almost Los Angeles years ago. And then, Ryan Held and Santo Condarelli, who I used to coach as an age grouper. So these are, um, and they're they're some of the best swimmers of all time. Um, but there's a reason, and the work it's work ethic, it's the way they conduct themselves. So our swimmers getting exposure to that on a daily basis is, is pretty cool. And I think it, it, like I said, I think it raises the standard and it uh, it, it attracts the very best. This is quickly becoming a place that you know you don't go to to make um, Olympic trials. It's a place where you go to make the Olympic team. Well, and that's that's the that's the goal, right? I mean, we I've had experience in the past with um, having people make their Olympic teams and win some medals in the Olympics, and um, you know that that's the plan going forward. I think that's why these people are here. Plus, like I said, Alabama. I think when they you know saw the facilities, to me it's a no-brainer. Of course, I'm biased, but the the story I always tell is Coach uh, Reed. I took him in a golf cart, and he had he had basically taken the job sight unseen, and I had driven him around campus in a golf cart, and we hadn't said anything to each other for 15 minutes. And I stopped at the quad in the middle, Denny Chimes, the big tower in the middle of campus, and I said, "Well, what do you think?" And just give it to me straight, not knowing what he would say. And, pretty honest guy and he looked at me and he said does anybody know about this place like it is this is a gem and those were those were his exact words and I feel the same way and like I said I work here so I'm biased but uh, I think once people come see what this place has to offer it, it's unlike any other so well as you said I mean you, you know you, you were in Indiana so been you know in addition to your age group coaching um, days you you know, you swam in Arizona. Um, you've been a part of a, a world championship team uh, for the U.S. Uh, as a as a swimmer and a coach. Yep. Um, what is it that that you hope that people will find out about this hidden gym? Well, I think it's it, it's kind of like my. Um, I hope they experience something like what I did at, at the collegiate level, where you come in with with some talent and a work ethic and then you leave you know fulfilling your dreams and i know that's a little cliche it's a little cheesy but that's what we're trying to do here in all seriousness we're trying to get people that have the potential and the possibility of, of winning ncaa's and making olympic teams and and we want to fulfill that dream for them now you know it's not going to be easy i don't promise anything that you know uh that i can't keep but 
one of the ways to do it is being around people that have had success, like we said, you know, earlier with Ryan Helds and gold medalists and stuff like that. But it's a hard uh, sport, as as everyone knows. But uh, with the intensity, with the resources, with the coaching staff, um, we feel like we can we have an edge, and we can we can uh, get people to fulfill their dreams, whether it's NCAA championship or Olympic gold medals. And it's obviously, you know, been done here before. I mean, you know, we're actually celebrating uh, um, in a couple um, weeks uh, here the uh, the uh, NCAA champions from last season, the uh, 200 medley relay, and uh, two guys on that team, you know, Lou Bams and uh, and Robert Howard, were not only national champions uh, and, and and competed internationally, but also were academic all Americans, and and that's something that's kind of a hallmark of this program, and something that you guys have kind of continued is. You know, they're going to swim fast and they're going to dive well, um, but they're also going to um, uh, you know get it done in the classroom. Well, I didn't know exactly what to expect um, <clears throat> coming here, and, and in terms of academics, because uh, you know I, I don't know if there's a stigma associated with Alabama or not in terms of academics. But when I got here, I realized I saw the team GPA, and then I thought, well, you know, what are their what are their majors? Are these easy majors? How are, how is this possible? And then I looked at you know civil engineering and chemical engineering and uh, the business school and these are some of the best programs in the country. So these were not your uh, average student athletes. These are very very high achievers. They're extremely intelligent, and um, they they know what they're talking about. And they're very serious about academics, and they're very serious about swimming. And that's kind of like I said, it's hard work. I'm not promising. Um, anything that's going to come easy, but what I am talking about is something that's a little unique and different in terms of, of what we have. And you know, as you said, you know, uh, started out in California, um, swam in Arizona, um, spent the last uh, three or four years in um, Indiana. Um, what's kind of been the biggest transition uh, to 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 back to um, Southern? Uh, living here well I, you know my wife talks about it a lot she talks about you know the southern hospitality and it's it's a way of life it's a it's a slower pace than obviously like in Los Angeles or something like that but I think what I'm recognizing um, was the genuine the sincerity of people they'll shake your hand they'll say hello they they genuinely care about how the program's doing and I don't get that feel uh, in Los Angeles. I mean, I, I did like Los Angeles, and I, there were aspects of it that I love. But this place has a personal touch where I feel like people um, are genuine and they and they really care about how the program does. And an example of that yesterday was the, the local police force brings in their dogs. They come by to say hi. And uh, just little token gestures like that, just cur- courtesy and um, is something that you know I, I didn't experience, and it's new, and it's um, my wife and I love it. So you know these are the little personal touches that you can't really describe about Tuscaloosa and Alabama as a whole. Part of Alabama um, culture that uh, was made famous by an ESPN commercial. Have you have you gotten used to the roll tie? I have people. I mean, I, I'm dressed in to the hilt in, in Bama gear constantly, and I it still scares me once in a while. You know they're. The fans are adamant about you know yelling it at an airport when you're 200 feet away, but um, I'm starting to get used to it. I usually just give them the thumbs up because I I don't you know it kind of throws me by surprise. And surprisingly, I don't hear it so much on campus or in the weight room. Um, 
but I do hear it like at airports and when I'm wearing the gear all over the country, it seems to be, you know, recognized, you know, I hear stories all the time about, I think athletic director Byrne talked about, he was overseas or something wearing the A and people in an airport were, were yelling roll tide. So it's a, a visible, you know, the A is pretty visible. It's pretty well known and we're, we're darn proud of it kind of our aloha you know aloha it can be goodbye hello, yeah. whatever and, and that's kind of what roll tide is for us but um coach we appreciate your time yeah. i know you gotta get back out there absolutely and, uh, on deck uh but uh roll tide yeah thank you for having me roll tide we hope you enjoyed this episode of the roll tide cast we thank you for spending some time with us and we hope you'll subscribe rate and review and also let us know what you would like to hear in future podcast episodes and now we leave you with this crimson tide moment from head coach nick saban but i want everybody here to know this is not the end this is the beginning this has been the roll tide cast the official podcast of alabama athletics Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Crimson Tide Sports Network.